Good morning. Um, I hope that you all had a happy Thanksgiving, but now that that's out of the way, we can talk about what we're really excited about, which is Advent. Um, I, got, I, I love Thanksgiving, um, mostly because I like Thanksgiving food, but uh, every time Thanksgiving happens, I get excited because Advent is, is one of, if not my favorite times of the year to, to be a pastor. I love that at BC we do Advent together, that we, we take time intentionally in, in one of the, the busiest and most distracting and hectic seasons of our, of our life to, to recenter and refocus on the person of Jesus. Um, like in some ways, I wish we could just do Advent all the time, just sing Christmas songs all year long, but then it would get old and stale, and so we're, we're not going to do that. But this year for Advent, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to be teaching through some of our, our favorite Advent slash Christmas songs together as a church. And so each week what we'll do is we'll, we'll have a song um, that's kind of like the, the theme song that week, and someone's going to teach through a line from that song from Scripture. And so we're not like, the, the song isn't the text for us, the Bible is the text for us, but we're going to have a, a line from the song that we're going to talk through. Today's song is, uh, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which we just sang and we're going to sing again in a little bit, but it, it celebrates the reality that Jesus came, um, that he, he was and is the hope for all the saints, the desire for every nation, and the joy of every longing heart. And the line in this song that we're going to talk about this morning is, born to set thy people free. And where we're going to see this, uh, this magnificent, glorious truth that Jesus was born to set us free is in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, which, which Erica is going to come and, and read for us. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we are children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons." And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, that you used your spirit to inspire Paul to write these words down so that we would would know more about who you are and what you've done for us that we would we would understand more of of this glorious gospel that you've given to your people as good news that we would we would by this passage by these verses be drawn closer and 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 deeper into relationship with your son father we thank you that you sent the son to, to be born of a woman, to be born under the law. Jesus, we thank you that, that you came. You came to set your people free, to make us sons and daughters, to uh, send your spirit who cries out within us, uh, affirming the reality that we are your people, we are your children. And so we pray today that you would, you would use your spirit uh, the spirit that you've placed within your people to help us to understand your word together this morning. Um, that, that 
you would stir our affections for you this Advent. Jesus, that, that during this season, instead of being drawn away from you, instead of being distracted from you, instead of having our focus divided, that you would use your word, that you would use your spirit, you would use your people, your church, to draw us closer to you and closer to one another. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, Galatians 4, 1 through 7, and we're focused on this idea that Jesus was born to set his people free. So in order to really understand what's taking place in these verses, the first thing we need to do is we need to get a a better picture of kind of the book of Galatians and what's happening. This isn't a series where we've been going through the book, so we're familiar with this. And so what's happening in the book of Galatians is that one of the main things, really the main thing that Paul is trying to do is he's arguing against people who would say that 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 salvation is is needed like to, to be saved what we need is Jesus plus something else so these people that had kind of creeped into the Galatian church and were saying that in order to to follow Jesus you needed Jesus plus something else and for them that plus something else was keeping the Old Testament law and so Paul in the book of Galatians is stressing the truth that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We don't have to keep the Old Testament law. We don't have to do something else. We need to believe in Jesus by grace, through faith. That's how we get salvation. So at the end of Galatians chapter 3, right before this passage, what Paul has been doing is he's been explaining that the Old Testament law, the thing that these people were trying to say that the Galatians need to follow, that Paul is explaining that the Old Testament law was temporary. It was, it was a temporary measure in order to get people to when God would send Jesus. It, it was a, a babysitter until God's plan of redemption could be carried out and fulfilled in Jesus. So Paul is arguing that those who put their faith in Jesus, they are heirs of God's promise to Abraham, which, which supersedes the law. So in the beginning of Galatians 4, which Eric had just read for us, Paul is going to kind of keep making this same point, but he's going to do it from a slightly different angle. And so what's happening in these verses that she read for us is that Paul begins with an illustration, and he's going to apply that illustration, and then he's going to draw some conclusions from it for us. So we see the illustration in verses 1 and 2. He says, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So Paul is using the idea of an inheritance here to make the point he wants to make. He's saying that an heir, somebody who's set to inherit something from his father, he doesn't get it until a set date or or set point in time or, or a specific event happens. Normally, when the father dies, then the son would get everything. And so up to that point, before the inheritance transfers to him, Paul is saying that he's he's not really that much different, practically speaking, financially speaking, from the servants. He he doesn't have his father father's stuff. His father has his father's stuff. He'll get the inheritance at a later time. So that's the illustration. Paul's going to apply it to to us, to the Galatians, in verses 3 through 5. So Paul says in verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So based on what Paul is going to say in verses 4 and 5, he starts with, but when the fullness time came, something else happened. So before that happened, Paul is describing who we were. So Paul here is talking in verse 3 about, about who we were before Jesus redeemed us, who we were before we were saved. And he says that we were enslaved to the elementary principles of 
the world. They were, they were enslaved to these things. So this seems to be a reference to their old way of living, who they were before Jesus. So for the Jews, uh, they were enslaved to the Old Testament law. They were enslaved to sin and death and Satan. For the Gentiles, they were enslaved to the kind of their, their pagan religion and sin and death and Satan. They were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, this, this old way, this old creation kind of living. That's what they were like. That's what we were like. But verse 4 changes things. He says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So let's take this piece by peace. The first thing Paul says is when the fullness of time had come. What Paul is telling us here is that the father had been waiting for the, for the exactly perfect right moment to send Jesus into the world. Right? He, he wasn't kind of haphazardly doing this. He had been planning it all along. He was waiting for the right moment to send him. He had been providentially and, and, and sovereignly and, and lovingly orchestrating history to this point when he could send his son into the world. His people had been waiting for generation after generation after generation, asking God to deliver on his promises, to send his Messiah into the world to redeem them. And when the fullness of time had come, God sent Jesus. And there are lots of kind of practical things we could look at and say, hey, this is, this is why this was the moment. There was the, you know, the, the kind of worldwide peace almost that the Romans had established. There was a system of roads. There was a common language. There were, there were all these factors that led to the rapid spread of the gospel. But the reality is, is that this was the moment because this was the moment God decided was the moment. This was when the fullness of time had come. And Paul says, God sent his son. But, but how did he send him? He sent him born of a woman, born under the law. Hebrews says that Jesus was made like us in, in every respect, but was without sin. And he was made this way so that he could be our faithful high priest, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice in our place, so that he could be our substitute. This is why he was born of a woman. This is why he was born under the law. So the one who, who created women was born of a woman. The one who wrote the law uh, put himself underneath it. Why did the Father send Jesus in this way? Why, why did the Father uh, choose to do this? Why did Jesus come? Why did these things happen? Paul tells us in verse 5. He says, Two, this is the purpose for this action, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So when the fullness of time had come, God sent Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is that line that we just sang in the song. He was born to set us free. When Paul says that he redeemed those who were under the law, we need to understand that, that Paul uses this under something language throughout Galatians 3 and 4. Listen to this quote from this guy named Tom Schreiner. He explains this for us. He says, Paul consistently depicts the power of sin with the under phrases in Galatians. Those who are under the law are under a curse and under sin and under a custodian, and under the elements. Sin has placed people under its tyranny and mastery. Sin has placed people under its tyranny 
and mastery. This is, this is who we were. We were enslaved to this. We were under the tyranny and mastery of sin. But God sent Jesus to redeem us. In Scripture, the idea of redemption is, is connected to buying someone out of slavery to something. And so kind of the, the premier, before the New Testament, the premier example of redemption in Scripture is uh, Passover. It's when, when God brings his people, buys his people, redeems his people out of slavery to Egypt. In a much greater way, Jesus redeems us from our slavery to the law and our slavery to sin and our slavery to death and our slavery to Satan. He brings us out. They no longer have tyranny over us. We're we're freed from these things. Nothing has tyranny over us any longer because in Jesus, we are free. He was born to set us free. But the good news doesn't stop here. Why did he redeem us? What's the point of it? Look at the end of verse 5 so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because of Jesus, we go from being slaves to the law and slaves to sin to being adopted as sons and daughters, to being welcomed into his family. He was born to set his people free, and he frees us into his family, into relationship with himself. We get to enjoy relationship with him. And adoption is a relationship that doesn't end. He gives us the status of sons and daughters, and that's not one that he's ever going to take away. And so we gain in Jesus liberty from sin and liberty from Satan and liberty from death and liberty from the law, and we gain relationship with him. We gain a share in Christ's inheritance. We get to be with him in his kingdom. We get access to his Father. We get welcomed into his presence. We get to participate in being a child of God. We get to bear the family likeness. We get bought into a family with Jesus and with one another. He redeemed us. He freed us so that we could be sons and daughters of God. Adoption is where God graciously makes us his family. But wait, there's more. He didn't just set us free from sin and then adopt us into his family and then leave us to kind of figure out how to do that on his own. Look at what Paul says next. Verse 6. It says, and because you are sons and daughters, because we're members of his family, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So Paul says that because we're sons, Jesus has set us free. He's freed us into his family. Because we're in his family, he's given us his spirit. And look at what Paul says the spirit does. The spirit cries, Abba, Father. What this means is that Jesus frees us from sin. He frees us from the law. He brings us into his family. We're in his family, so he gives us his spirit. And his spirit within us reinforces and reiterates and confirms and affirms and reminds us of the reality that we are in the family. His spirit within us cries out to God as Father. So we don't have to to figure out what it looks like to be adopted sons and daughters on our own. We don't have have to create some sort of feeling or emotion in ourselves to kind of stir up this, I'm really part of the family. God has given us his spirit. And one of the reasons why he's given us his spirit is so that he would do that work for us in ourselves. And so when we doubt, 
When we feel distant from God or when God feels distant from us or when we feel like we don't have access to him or we feel like our relationship with him is broken or we feel like we're alone or lonely or, or, or whatever, his spirit within us calls us back to him, cries out to God as father for us on our behalf when we don't feel it. The spirit within us reminds us that we are his and that he is for us, and that he is not going to ever, never, never forsake us. His spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father, drawing us into his presence, reminding us of the reality that we are family with God. The end conclusion Paul draws is that uh, we're, we're, we're sons, we're no longer slaves, and because we're, we're sons and daughters, we're, we're heirs. We share in Christ's inheritance. And the first part of that inheritance is that we have his spirit within us. Jesus was born to set his people free. When we sing that line, we're drawing on all this truth from scripture, all this good news that doesn't just stop with our freedom. It moves into our redemption and it moves into the reasons for our redemption, that we could not just be justified and redeemed and set free, but so that we could be brought into God's family. And because we're in his family, his spirit is within us and his spirit makes that a reality for us. Paul says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we, so that you, so that I might receive adoption as sons. So exactly, at exactly the right moment in history, God sent Jesus. Jesus came down. He, he put himself under the law so that he could free us from it, so that he could free us from sin, so that he could free us from Satan, so that he could redeem us and make us sons and daughters alongside him in his family. He put his spirit within us so that anytime we wavered, anytime we doubted, anytime we worried that we weren't really part of the family, the spirit would make that truth real for us within us. Jesus was born to set us free. Free from everything. Freed so that we could be sons and daughters. Jesus was born to make us his. And at Advent, we get to celebrate this reality. We don't have to look forward to these things. We get to look back on the fact that they have happened, that they are done. Jesus did come. He has made us sons and daughters. This is a truth that we live in and walk in and experience every day. And so when we sing this song, when we ask Jesus to come, we sing it in the knowledge that he has. That he has set us free. So we get to worship him in light of these truths, even as we long for him to come and bring in the new heavens and the new earth so that we might uh, be completely free from everything that would have tyranny over us. So let's pray together and then we will continue in worship together this morning. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to be born of a woman, to be made like us. You sent him to be born under the law so that he could free us out from underneath it. But we're no longer 
under a curse. We're no longer under a guardian. We're no longer under sin. But we are free. We've been redeemed. We've been adopted as your sons and daughters. And that your spirit within us cries out to you as Father. And so we pray that as we continue in the service this morning, that as we worship you, as we, as we call out to you as our Father, as we participate in, in family activities as your children, that you would remind us that the only way we're able to do that is because you've put your spirit within us. You've redeemed us to be your children. And you've equipped us and empowered us to do that by giving and sending the Spirit. Jesus, we pray that you would use your word. You would use uh, the Lord's Supper and worship together and fellowship afterwards to, to stir our affections for you and to draw us deeper into relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you've done for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.